Welcome to the Zeal Interestings podcast, where we discuss an interesting topic every week. I'm your host, Chris White. Joining me today is Jack Humbert, the founder of OLKB, a company that produces kits for mechanical keyboard enthusiasts. Welcome to the podcast, Jack. Hey, thanks for having me. Thank you so much for joining me. I'm super excited about this topic recently. I've been using a mechanical keyboard for a while, and I'm also going to build a custom keyboard in the near future. And so I was very excited to have you on the podcast, explain the topic to the audience, and uh, get a little bit of your backstory as well. So thank you so much. I'm really excited about today. Yeah. So let's jump into this topic gradually. So what is a mechanical keyboard and how does it differ from what you might see in a laptop or any other kind of built-in keyboard into a computer? So in, in most of the keyboards you see around now, most of them are driven by scissor switches and rubber domes. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of been the standard for the past, I don't know, 10 or 15 years. Um, before that, they had to have actual mechanical switches, and that's what mechanical keyboards kind of refers to. And that talks that's generally the design is like a spring and some sort of leaf and uh, some sort of contact that that allow it to you know make the keyboard work and everything and they're a lot bigger obviously and so you know as the people try to drive drive the cost the keyboards down and ease on manufacturing that became more popular out of style as far as hardware manufacturers go because Mm -hmm. they're more expensive to produce but why would an enthusiast prefer a mechanical keyboard over the rubber dome well as like you know the past five years it's becoming more popular for manufacturers and so like there's bigger companies that are actually getting behind that stuff more and producing a lot more switches but when it comes to mechanical keyboards, you can control a lot of the different aspects of the switch. And, you know, there's at least like a hundred different types of switches that you can choose from. Wow. And, you know, there's a lot, there's some that are more popular than the other ones, obviously. And like Cherry and, and Kale and Gatoron kind of be the, the top of the line there for the MX clones. But yeah, there's, you know, you can find ones that click really loudly, ones that click softly, ones that, you know, feel clicky or ones that are just completely silent. You know, there's a lot of a lot of different options between sound and also like profile, you know, as you click, like it feels different at different points as you're pressing it down. I've I've definitely, when I talk to people about mechanical keyboards, most people are not super aware of it, but about every office has a story of someone bringing in a keyboard that is much, much louder and more noticeable than others. So, uh, you know, if, if you've heard that story, I feel like many people have heard that story at this point. That's likely someone using one of the more clicky switches. Mm-hmm. So you, you would choose these things so that you can customize the feel of the keys. What other things that people customize on their keyboards? Uh, layouts is a big thing. There's, there's tons of different layouts available. You go from like a full size, which is like probably what people are used to at a desktop, it's also like a 10 keyless or TKL, then it goes down to like a 60%, which is everything but the like number pad and arrow keys navigation. So we're talking about chopping off the right half yeah. of the traditional keyboard. Mm-hmm. And without the FRO as well. And then, uh, you know, you get more into like the weird stuff, like the stuff I do, which is they're considered orthodontic layouts, you know, which is just like a grid of keys. And there's different sizes for those. Like we have the, the plank, which is like 48 or 47 keys and the prionic, which is 59 or 60. Oh, wow. Any, anything you want, really. <laughs> so when you talk about ortholinear, um, you're talking about ditching the staggered layout that you see mm-hmm. on a keyboard. You know, your 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 all your rows have have different are not vertically aligned. Uh, whereas in an, an ortholinear layout, they would all be in a vertical horizontal grid. Mm-hmm. Uh, what are the advantages of a layout like that? What drew you to that? Uh, I mean, we we kind of come from an aesthetics point of view for that. You know, starting out like. The, the staggered layout kind of came about from the physical limitations of a typewriter. You know, the, the, the arms couldn't be aligned vertically, which wasn't always the case. There were actually ortholinear typewriters as well at that time. Interesting. Were, as popularized as, you know, the underwords and um, everything that kind of came, what we considered a, a keyboard layout. I didn't know that fact. So the staggering is because these arms coming off of a, of a typewriter have to have to be able to 
be not interfere with one another as right. they're you know whacking a piece of paper. Yeah, interesting. And and so that's you know the typer like influenced a lot of what we consider a keyboard nowadays. Everything from that to like the query layout, which you know we as as OLKB we also try to emphasize like alternative layouts like Colmac and Dvorak and Workman even you know even like alternative input methods like Plover. Focusing on that, like you can look at a keyboard and say like okay my keyboard is for my my two hands right. And and if I need those, if I basically put those on my desk in any position that's comfortable to me, I should just have keys under those, right? Mm-hmm. And if you look at layouts like the Urquidocs, they really take advantage of that that mindset and have they have like two separate pieces to that to a keyboard, and then all the keys are kind of aligned to where your how long your fingers are, and so they'll have mm-hmm. actually have a, a staggered, they're calmly staggered instead of like horizontally staggered. Interesting. And so they'll go like right to your fingers, which is you know can become pretty comfortable, especially for ergonomics. So. Yeah, I've heard of er- of the ErgoDax approach as like a great mm-hmm. as a common recommendation for people that have like wrist injuries or repetitive yeah. stress kind of problems. Yeah, my my buddy Eris actually runs the er- ErgoDax CZ stuff. He's heavily involved in QMK, which is our firmware stuff too. So yeah, I can recommend that as well. <laughs> I think I think that's another good thing to talk about is that on a traditional keyboard, you buy it, it has labels on the keys, and when you press those keys, that's what it does. But it seems like there's this other aspect of OLKB that is is the custom firmware. Can you talk a little bit about what people do with that and how that works? Yeah, so to, to kind of step back a little bit, like I have two separate projects. I have OLKB, which is like all the hardware and all the design and the PCB stuff on that side of stuff. Then we have QMK, which is something I started around the same time, but it involves at least at the at the leadership level involves errors of Ergodox EZ and Zach White or Scully of Clueboard. And all three of us kind of manage everything. And we have a bunch of people, a bunch of collaborators involved and obviously you know, we have over, I think it's over 300 or 400 contributors to the repo now. Mm-hmm. So it's a pretty it's pop- an open source project. Yeah, yeah, it's a pretty popular project. You know, we're, we're definitely in the early stages of, of uh, development and everything as far as like maturity goes for the project, but it's pretty exciting to, to see everyone kind of coming together for it. You can use that to control any, anything you want in, in the keyboard, you know, from like which key does what to having, you know, keys do certain special things and the stuff I'm actually working on right now today is the audio portion of that. Because my, my keyboard in particular have a speaker hook up, up to them so that you can play sounds through your keyboard to get different feedback, you know, from actions and everything. So that's awesome. That's awesome. So what are some of the craziest things you've seen people do with your kits since you can customize so much? Where what are some of the wackiest or most out of control things you've seen done? Um I've seen somebody cut it in half. <laughs> I think that was before the what's called the let split, which is like a two mm-hmm. four by six grids, basically a split version of the plank. So instead of waiting for like a custom two printed circuit board approach, yeah. someone actually like figured out how to <laughs> literally split the keyboard. Yeah. Which I can't recommend, obviously. It's, you know, there's a lot of like stresses involved in cutting that, but would that void your warranty? Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, there's. I mean, the, on the firmware side, there's some pretty cool stuff that people do, and like a lot of them have actually contributed back to QMK, and it's become like a feature in QMK. You know, if people are doing crazy stuff, and people are like, "Oh, that's cool," and like they just make a PR, and now it's a part of the core QMK. So that's awesome. That's awesome. So backing up to OLKB, you're a hardware startup. That sounds very challenging. Can you tell me tell us a little bit about the story of how you got into that and uh, how it started and where it is today? Yeah, so it started about three years ago, and we kind of came up. This a guy posted a, a, an idea for a keyboard, and it was 
kind of is around the same size as this one. And he originally kind of had it as an ortholinear that, that after a few revisions, he put it back to staggered after some feedback from the community and he was not being interested in ortholinear. But I really stuck on that. I thought that was interesting. And I, at that time, I'd made a custom keyboard that was like a little bit bigger than the Prionic and I was loving it. And, and so I saw that and I talked to him and we kind of shopped around some ideas and we settled on the name Plank and kind of, kind of went from there. And we started what's, what's called an interest check in this uh, community and it's kind of just to see like who's interested, like, you know, would you buy at this price and, and like a list of how many people, how many people can, can buy it so we can make an order for it. And I got around 50 people interested in it. The, the purpose of that interest check is to, is about production, right? You can, only, yeah. you can, you have to have a certain quantity to produce these things. Yeah. Yeah. So like, you know, obviously if you make one, it's gonna be really expensive for the shop to like set up everything just to make that one. So, you know, they kind of go through and, and, uh, we get an idea of, okay, we can order 50 of them. If we can sell those right away, you know, that's perfectly okay. And at this point, I wasn't, hadn't, I didn't have any idea of starting a company or anything. I was just like, ah, oh, this is kind of cool. I want this keyboard to actually type on. People were pretty interested in it. You know, it was pretty popular among, I mean, not super popular, but you know, I had like 50 people interested, which is a lot to me at the time. Thinking mm-hmm. like, no one else is going to want this layout. You felt like for an enthusiast community, you felt like it was pretty prominent. Yeah. <laughs> so we got it, got it ordered. Yeah. I got those shipped out and then just kind of started iterating on that. You know, it started out super simple. Like it started out just hand wearing it. You know, it was just like the two plates you could buy, and then you had mm-hmm. to stick the switches in, and you could buy the diodes and and wire it all together to a Teensy, and you know, it was pretty messy. And then eventually, I think a couple months later, talking to Wilba, who's who was our PCB designer previously, about designing a PCB, and got that kind of kind of put together. And and uh, the PCB was like the the big factor that kind of made made take off to the next level, you know. From there, you know, we have like the metal aluminum case and, you know, the stainless steel plates and that kind of kind of puts it all together. It's very cool. So originally you were hand producing circuit boards, hand wiring all, all the components together to all like the slots mm-hmm. for key switches. And and so having an actual printed circuit board produced that, that had all those features was a big uh, turnaround point for you. Yeah, it turned like a build time from two hours to like 15 minutes, you know. <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. And it's always been a kit and you've never... You've, you've probably built a few of these fully, but you've always kind of sent it out as a kit. Yeah, we did. And the first mass drop we did, I don't know if you're familiar with the site mass drop, but they, they're kind of a, a part of the community in the way that they take a product and they'll, you know, they have a huge network of makers and um, producers and people that are interested in keyboards. So they send out an email and it goes out to like, you know, hundreds of thousands of people. So uh, the first one we did, That's which awesome. is like two years ago, we offered assembly on thinking that, you know, okay, we'll get like 50, 100. I ended up hand assembling with a PCB like 350 of those. Oh wow! <laughs> so you can claim to have hand built hundreds of keyboards. Yeah, <laughs> I would not do that again. It was fun, I guess, as a whole. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> fun and challenging. Yeah. Uh, so speaking of challenges, what you know, it's it's three years later. What are what are the big challenges that you face with just running a company like this and and producing these kits and keeping it moving forward? Um. I don't know, it's hard to hard to say because I I struggle with not necessarily working with people, but like I have a lot of vision for what I want to do with a, a keyboard. And it's like recently, like we've been working with Will for a long time, designing PCB de- designs, and he's done a great job. And I don't really have any complaints with working with him. But it's just been a lot of stuff that I I've been wanting to do now that I'm a, I'm doing the PCB design for this next revision myself. And it's it's really mm-hmm. satisfying to be able to put like ideas that are in my head and onto the PCB. And, you know, I, I don't know if you saw the feature list we had, but it was just full of, you know, everything that I thought, like, oh, this would be cool. Oh, this would be cool. You know, every, every idea I had went into the PCB. 
yeah, we're recording this on March 22, and it was just yesterday that you announced the latest revision of your of your plank. Yeah, the full yeah the full feature list, and so yeah, and and it, that's that's a really freeing process to be able to 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 get involved in the design of that at that level because I've done all the CAD and, and uh, everything for the hardware before, except the PCB. You know, that was a learning process within itself, and but now as I'm learning like KCAD and and getting involved in that, it's you know it's super satisfying as well. So how how does one when you're when you're a small hardware manufacturer like what what kinds of shops do you work with to get get things produced? Do you feel like you kind of have a handle on that, or is it kind of an adventure every time? It's definitely an adventure every time. <laughs> There's a we deal with a local shop that makes most of the parts, and I've been using them from the get go, and they've been pretty pretty good and, and pretty like revealing about how things work, and just kind of you know they realize that I'm just kind of a startup and, and you know getting a hang on how manufacturing works. The quality has kind of been the hardest thing to keep control of because they have certain tolerances and certain mm-hmm. certain expectations for like, you know, I think they mostly do government jobs or just people that don't really care about how it looks. So so kind of keeping a, a grasp on that mm-hmm. has been hard. But I think that's pretty common throughout. It's not just the shop or anything. But So what about the future? Like, sounds like your, you know, your enthusiasm toward the future is centered around kind of new revisions and new features. Like if you were to imagine OLKB in, in five years, would you do you have any ideas about like expectations about the scale or, or what you're going to do with it? I mean, I'm, I'm picturing like three years ago when I started it. <laughs> I had no idea I'd be here. So, you know, I'm hoping, you just wanted to keyboard. Yeah, exactly. And so I'm hoping I'll, I'll continue to be surprised. But I mean, ideally, I, I, I would like to get more people involved here locally and kind of build up um, not necessarily a shop, like a storefront here, because that's, that's, a, that's a huge cost involved in that. And it's not mm-hmm. usually worth it. You mentioned that you're in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Yep. Mm-hmm. That's that's very close to where I grew up, so I know that it's a it is a nice city, but it's not a there's probably not a very large enthusiast developer community yeah. there. I think I have sold like three, two or three here locally, so that's been you know kind of cool, but that's about it. <laughs> but yeah, having having more employees or just employees in general, I guess here locally to like handle things like shipping and customer support, I think would really help help me just focus on kind of growing the company in traditional ways rather than just like, okay, new design. Okay. I go to ship stuff. Okay. Now I got to answer emails. Okay. Now I got to do social media, you know, kind of bounce around everywhere. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's fun, but it's, it gets, you know, tiring after a while. You're, you're pushing up against the scale where one yeah. job does not cover all, <laughs> exactly. all tasks. Yeah. Which is, you know, even after coming <laughs> or taking on more responsibilities with, with the PCB design, it's, you know, it's, it's a little silly. <laughs> Yeah. Well, thanks for for going through that. It's uh, it's really interesting to hear about how small companies get started and grow. Is there anything that you'd like to draw attention to or promote before we go? Uh, yeah, selfishly, the OKB.com is the website. We have a whole lot of stuff for sale right now because we're like in the middle of a revision. But we have a subreddit, uh, just r slash OLKB. I'm trying to post there like every week, every week about the progress of stuff with the new revisions and when that's coming out and everything. So yeah, watch that. There's always people on the forum like asking questions and and you know trying to get answers and stuff, which is kind of nice. And then QMK, that's a uh, on GitHub QMK slash QMK underscore firmware. And we also have other stuff involved too, with besides just the firmware. Like there's a toolbox. I don't know if you've seen about that, which is like the the app we have that runs on Mac and Win- Windows right now that allows you to flash it easily and kind of interface for for that end. Okay. Which is you know obviously more software and things like uh, we're working on a on a configurator, which is much more GUI based, so you don't have to worry about actually compiling stuff and getting all the stuff set up for that. You can just go to the website mm-hmm. and like click around where you want the keys, and it'll flash the keyboard from there. So, 
That's great. That's awesome. And uh, another thing that I found that was super interesting is uh, your YouTube video about how to build these keyboards. If you're curious about just like uh, when, when I was first looking into it, it escalated quickly from like, hey, I want to put some colorful keycaps on my existing keyboard to <laughs> know I'm going to build an entirely custom keyboard. I don't know how that escalated yeah. so quickly and so like to the to the nth degree, but it happened. And I was like, well, what is that like? I've never even right. held a soldering iron before. And your video actually made it seem more approachable. Oh, nice. So I think that that's a really cool video to see. And we'll, we'll put that as well on our show notes. Cool. Yeah. So thank you so much, Jack. Uh, it's, it's been a great pleasure. Cool. Thanks for having me. And thank you, everyone, for listening. If you want even more interestings, please sign up for our newsletter at codingzeal.com slash interestings. We gather a bunch of links every week and kind of summarize them, make them easy to consume. Or you can follow us on Twitter at Coding Zeal. Thank you, everyone.